is up? It's the rant. My name is Jeff Ratcliffe, and it is Monday, June 28th. We're talking some Jaguars today. Jacksonville, a team in transition. The Urban Meyer era officially underway. And, of course, they have themselves a potential future franchise quarterback option in Trevor Lawrence. Very interesting young team, with the exception of Marvin Jones, uh, that we will dive into in just a second. Just a reminder, we do have a contest going on. It's really easy to enter. All you have to do is review this podcast on Apple Podcasts and leave your Twitter handle in your review. Rate the podcast as well, and you're entered in to win a Rant t-shirt. Love it. <laughs> you can buy one as well over at uh, sawdustpods.com. It's actually a pretty cool looking shirt. I'm not going to lie. I, uh, t-shirts can be hit or miss. This is a hit. All right. But anyway, I'm going to pick a winner here in July, which is only a few days away. Uh, we will pick a winner after the fourth. Uh, then, you know, basically to kind of kick off fantasy football draft season which usually happens right after the 4th. So anyway, get the reviews in. I really appreciate all the help so far from everybody reviewing the pod and all you folks are entered in to win. All right, let's talk Jacksonville. And of course, as I mentioned, they do have a potential future franchise option in Trevor Lawrence. I'm not willing to anoint him as a franchise option just yet, but this time, by this time next year, maybe we already are at that point. Lawrence is the most complete NFL prospect at the position that we have seen in really a generation since Andrew Luck. And I don't think that's hyperbolic. And I know that people want to poo-poo. People always want to poo-poo ideas like that. They're going to come in and say various things. People said it during the NFL pre-draft process. They said, oh, you know, well, he did have a good offensive line. It's like, yeah, but that's not still not going to help his processing speed. It's not going to change the fact that he is perfectly built for the modern era. You know, he's got the size of an NFL quarterback, but he also now has the mobility of a modern quarterback. He's not a throwback 20 years ago type quarterback. So people want to poo-poo that. Now I'm hearing, oh, well, you know, they may go with Gardner Minshew. Okay, the only way that's going to happen is if Lawrence is truly not ready from a health standpoint to start the season, but we don't have any indication there. People want to poo-poo the idea. But Trevor Lawrence is the most complete quarterback to step into the NFL in a generation. That's why he's generational. And I, I was asked, okay, well, what if he doesn't put up the numbers that Mahomes did in his rookie year? A, Mahomes in his rookie year only played one game. B, his second year was a big surprise. If we thought that Mahomes was a 5,000 yard, 50 touchdown guy, he would have been the number one overall pick in that draft. Now, he was a first-round pick, and people did think that the ceiling was high, but it was a different scenario than Lawrence. Every step of the way, even going back to the high school level, Lawrence has been a coveted prospect. This guy is the real deal. And as we saw last year with Justin Herbert, and to a lesser extent, Joe Burrow, and what we've seen Recently, with rookie quarterbacks, rookie quarterbacks can be fantasy factors. Right out of the gate, immediate fantasy factors. And as I mentioned with Lawrence, the key is that he does have the ability to run. Now, he's not a six, seven, eight hundred yard rusher. I have met 312, 
But again, compare that to some of these previous generation type quarterbacks. The Even the Matt Ryans of the world, that guy's not going to rush for much more than 100 yards, if that. And then the previous, you know, the even older guys, some of the guys who are out of the league now and Rivers, guys like that, they're not even going to rush for like 15 yards on the season. 312 starts to add up. There's also a very good shot that Lawrence goes up over 4,000 passing yards this year, given 17 games that helps. I have him at 4,192 with 24 passing touchdowns. Now he could throw his share of picks. Close to one per game is where I have him right now. 15 on the season. But all of this added up is good enough for QB 15, which means he is an absolute target if you're going safe and upside, right? Drafting one safe option late, drafting one upside option late, trying to swing for the fences. Hey, if you get Justin Herbert production out of Trevor Lawrence, he's every bit worth a late round pick. I know it's a little bit volatile, but you know, I like the weapons surrounding him. You have a really solid wide receiver group. It's not the best in the league, but there's some depth here. You have DJ Chark, you have LaVisca Chenault, you have Marvin Jones. On top of that, I think Colin Johnson's a pretty solid number four. Philip Dorsett's on this team as well. Not that that's great, but he's your number five. You don't need him to be your number three. He's your number five. Now, out of these guys, I do think you know it's it's pretty clear to me Chark is going to lead the team in targets, but LaVisca Chenault is going to get his this season. I have him up over 100 targets, so he's going to get his, but Chark is the priority. Now, with DJ Chark, so far we have, I mean, we've seen him take a step forward. We haven't quite seen him with a quarterback who can fully take advantage of his skill set, so that's where things become really exciting with Trevor Lawrence. Right now, projecting him out at a very nice 69 catches, 994 and six touchdowns. Doesn't sound great, but remember it is a rookie quarterback on a team that it's going to take some time for this team to round into form, but I I think if they implement the plan that we think they're going to implement in the next few years, this thing's going to turn around. Optimism, right? But uh, that's still good enough for top 30 numbers. Like DJ Chark is an upside wide receiver three. Got some juice, man. Got some juice to get up into the wide receiver twos for sure. So I wouldn't mind him at all. A quarterback who can take advantage of his skill set, not dealing with Gardner Minshew, who, hey, I love Gardner Minshew, don't get me wrong. I love the moxie, I love the style, I love the swag, but I love Trevor Lawrence that much more. So DJ Chark in the mix. I do think we got to talk about LaVisca Chanel and Marvin Jones, though, before we get into this very interesting backfield. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to talk LaVisca Chanel, Marvin Jones. All right, so there's a lot of buzz about LaVisca Chenault. Very interesting, by the way, and this has nothing to do with fantasy football, but they have all three of their starting wideouts are juniors, DJ Chark Jr., LaVisca Chenault Jr., and Marvin Jones Jr. But regardless, there's a lot of buzz about uh, LaVisca Chenault, new offensive coordinator, Tower Bevel, uh, really looking to – he's been talking him up and looking to kind of unleash him. Now, we know that Chenault does have the ability to carry the ball out of the backfield. In fact, I have him with 18 carries. So, like, basically one per game, pretty solid. 98 rushing yards, those are all extra fantasy points. That's just gravy. One rushing touchdown, that's just gravy right there. I do also have him leading the team in targets with 71. 
But remember, Chark is going to be tar- targeted pretty heavily downfield in terms of average depth of target. Chenault's not. He's a guy who's a below 10 A dot. So that means if you're if you're from, not familiar with A dot, that just means that you're you're going to be targeted on average under 10 yards from the line of scrimmage. You know, not a bad thing. He's a he's that's the type of receiver he is. But big bigger bodied, you know, not tall but just jacked. He's a brick house, and can and that's going to help him muscle up against you know opposing defensive backs. So I think Chenault is borderline wide receiver three as well. He's actually projecting out at at wide receiver 38 for me right now, but there's a lot to like there with him. Now, Marvin Jones, I, I think, you know, obviously north of 30, we're not at the point where we're really viewing him as that upside option that we did in his time with Detroit, but there is some touchdown potential with him. We know historically he's been a very good red zone asset. I actually have him with more touchdowns than Chenault, even though I have him with uh, fewer targets, but still 97 targets isn't too shabby. So there is at least some merit to potentially throwing a dart at Marvin Jones if you can get him at a value. I do like doing that in best ball, especially where you can really potentially tap into that inevitable Marvin Jones two or three touchdown game. We don't know when it's going to come, but it, it's going to come, right? Uh, Kyle Johnson, as I mentioned, is a dynasty hold for me. I like him in, in that format. Bigger body guy showed up last year at the end of the year as well. Pretty solid player overall. So he's a hold in deep dynasty. I'm going to blow through tight end because right now, James O'Shaughnessy is the top of the depth chart. Does Tim Tebow make the team? Who freaking cares, really? I mean, a lot of people apparently, but whatever. I'll take, I, I, I don't know if he makes it, but I'll take an over on his half touchdown player prop. Whatever. There's no fantasy value to be had among the tight ends. So that leaves us with the backfield. James Robinson is now a fantasy football cult hero after what he did last year. But we do have a problem. And here's the problem. If you are truly confident in what you have in your backfield, heading into especially a new regime, heading into a new season, would you, A, sign a veteran running back? All right, fine. It's Carlos Hyde. He just gives you depth. But then, B, draft a running back, not a day three running back, not a running back in the fifth or sixth or seventh round, a running back on day one, a first-round running back. Now, you can tell me all you want that Travis Etienne is just a passing down back, but I'm not buying it. If you're truly confident in James Robinson, why do that? And I know you're trying to put something in place here for sure, but Robinson, to have any expectation of Robinson coming into this year and really kind of picking up where he left off is... Very ambitious, and I don't think that's going to be the case. So here's how I view things right now. Robinson will be the lead early down back, especially early in the season, but man, the cream has a tendency to rise in the NFL. Travis Etienne, well, he was a first-round pick for a reason. James Robinson was an undrafted free agent, partially for a reason. Of course, obviously, if we go back, he's very likely a day three pick. Maybe some people would say day two, but I I don't know. I, I think that might be a little bit pushing it. But regardless, he benefited last year from nobody else being there. And to his credit, he did do it. He went out and took advantage of the opportunity. I love that. But again, we got, you know, teams will tell us a story with their moves. If you're truly confident, why are you drafting a running back in the first round? So I have 148 carries to James Robinson. 
Eventually, that cream rising, though, Travis Etienne with 134. Now, here's the thing, though. I do buy this idea that Etienne is going to be used heavily in the passing game. And I have him with a really big receiving number. 62 catches, which is massive. 475 and two scores. Uh, I have him as a running back 24, James Robinson running back 29. That's very important if you're considering keeping James Robinson. I don't think he's much better than an RB3 option. Now, ETN is a borderline or back-end RB2. The problem is this sort of stat line is it's kind of like Duke Johnson plus or Giovanni Bernard plus in that he's catching a whole bunch of balls, sure, and yet not going to carry the ball a ton. Now, he's not carrying the ball 90 times like Duke Johnson or Giovanni Bernard, but 134, that means you really don't have a particularly high floor weekly. If you're if you're not even in that sort of 8 to 10 carry range, I mean, he's close to that here with this projection, but certainly not to 10. It's really tough, even with all those catches. Now, the nice thing is the team is going to be playing from behind, so... Weekly, his catch floor is relatively high, but there are potentially some weeks where, hey, if he doesn't get it done as a receiver, he's very likely not going to get it done as a runner, at least from a volume standpoint, and then things become challenging for us. So that is something to keep in mind with Travis Etienne. But as I said, the cream eventually rises in the NFL. It happens every stinking year. And ETN is a very talented player. We could find reasons to knock him, but we also have to acknowledge the reasons to like him. So if I'm going to draft one of these two, it's probably ETN with the knowledge that it may be a little bit of a bumpy ride. And there you have it. The Jacksonville Jaguars. A very interesting team, and there is some good fantasy value to be had on this squad. Up next, uh uh-oh, Kansas City, baby. I think you know what you know about Kansas City, but we're going to talk about him anyway. Of course, at Jeff Rackliff on Twitter, at Jeff Rackliff on Instagram, hashtag Rat Pack. That way I know you're a listener of the pod. Sawdustpods.com. Go check it out. Buy some merch, baby. All right, Kansas City. That's coming up tomorrow on the pod, so I'll catch you on the flip side. I'm Jeff Rackliff, and I'm out of here.